Well, good morning, Mercy Road. How are you doing today? Yes. I hope you had your coffee because we are going to just like get right into it. Um, I'm really excited to talk about sex and marriage, um, especially because uh, some of you know a little bit about my life and just the whole like narrative is that I really never thought I would get married when I grew up. I didn't think that that was something that was in the cards for me or that I really felt like called to, like I know some people are. And so the idea that I met Steve Craig, yes, I always call my husband Steve Craig, and I don't know why, but um, I met Steve Craig over 23 years ago, and um, we started this beautiful life together. And in all honesty, I'm going to be a little vulnerable today. I'm going to share some things. And so on, if you have little ones in here and um, you want to use some discretion, uh, we absolutely invite you to go ahead and head on over to Mercy Kids and have them hang out there and they'll have a great time. Um, but we are going to dive right in and look at marriage um, and start with Genesis 2. Uh, in Genesis 2, it's what we a lot of people call like the, the template for marriage, the first marriage. And I think it's a great place to start. Uh, we know that in Genesis 1, it records that God created the heavens and the earth and he created everything. And after he created each thing, he said it was good. And then his final creation was humans. And he didn't just say it was good. He said it was tov mayod, very good that there was something about the creation of humans that was different than everything else. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what was different about that and how beautiful that is. And really what God did is he created us to be a reflection of him in this really unique and powerful way. And so we're going to go right into it. Uh, we're in Genesis 2, uh, verse 18. It says, The Lord God said... It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So here's Adam all by himself, right? And he's, he's with the animals and God said, that's not good. Because the reflection of me is that you're not alone. You're with, you have relationship. That's what you were created for because God himself is a relationship in the triune God of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And so this is really important. And here's the other thing I want to point out for all the ladies in the room we're representing today because the word helper actually is Hebrew um, for azer. And azer is used to describe God in the Bible, it's not like, oh, come along and just do whatever I want you to do. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it's a powerful force that Adam could not be who he is without her. And that is how God is described as the powerful force that we would not be who we are without God's intervention. So I just wanted to kind of, sometimes we read these words and we have our own intonations of what they mean, but it's nice when we can kind of dive a little bit under the surface. And then it says in verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And 
whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name, which I love that Adam had this job, right? And his job was to name things. I love when, when I have friends who are, are pregnant and they'll tell me what they're having. I'm like, oh, can I be the name maker? Like, I love naming things. I'm a terrible matchmaker. So I just want you to know if you're single and you want me to matchmake you, I always fail like terribly. So don't ask me to match make you, but I would love to name your children if you would like my input. <laughs> so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, and this is where we see like this vow, this emotion coming out of human that we never heard before this, that Adam sees who God made for him and he can't help but express his love for her. He says, this is now bone of my bone, bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then we see here in these last two verses, a declaration by God, declaring a covenant, a covering, a powerful union that's holy. And God says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. They become one flesh. We'll dive more into that word, one flesh. And then finally, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They were naked, totally vulnerable. This is it. This is, this is everything. And there was no shame about that. It was beautiful. Will you pray with me and then we'll get right into it. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to come today and see you and see that we were made in your image and that we were made to know and be known, that that's not just a concept, it's something that our physiological bodies, our emotional lives our souls were made for. Lord, I thank you that we just get to see this and celebrate this in the realness of sex and marriage. And we give this to you today, whatever might be holding tight to our hearts that may be difficult for us to just receive your word and your good news. Lord, I just pray that those things just fall away. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm. So, Today, I want to tell you a little bit about my background and my husband's background because I know that every single person here comes in with a story, that we have all uh, been raised in certain environments and with uh, certain things that we were told like, this is it, and we've had different mishaps and different things that we celebrate concerning sex, right? And so I'm going to be really honest with you about the backgrounds that Steve and I came in together in our marriage. 
uh, 21 years ago. And so when we met, we were two ad young adults. Um, Steve is from here, from Indianapolis. And I'm from New York, right outside of New York City. I am a New Yorker. So when people say, oh, you're so nice, I think that's funny. Um, because, I, you know, my daughter's here. She can tell you. I can tell it like it is. And so, uh, really interestingly, we came after college, right? So we had lived some life. And we, at this time, uh, both of us, were take, we were very, really focused on the Lord separately, and when we met, there was an immediate like, oh, you're my person. You know what I mean? Like, we just cracked each other up. Like, we just, we were peas and carrots from the beginning. And I don't think we were thinking marriage, like on that first date. I think we were thinking like, oh, you're so fun to hang out with. We had an attraction for each other. It was good, right? And so, interestingly, uh, what we came in with, though, were very different stories and messages that we had heard about sex. So Steve came from a very conservative background. His family went to church more than one time a week, right? And so the message that he heard in his home growing up was, um, don't do it. It wasn't talked about. It was just, don't do it. It's not something you do until you're married, and that's it. So there was a lot of the imagination, right, of what is this, which you could imagine, you know, the world will just like fill that in because when you get to be a teenager and all the hormones are running, you just have this curiosity. That is an okay thing. And so he had back, the back of the bus conversations. Those are awesome. And the more he heard, like, no, don't do it. What do you want to do as a kid? You want to go do the thing that you're told not to do, right? And so he did, and it was very shameful for him because he had no safe place to discuss it. You know what I mean? Um, there, were, there was no, like, truth around it or love or, you know, like, an invitation of questions. It was just like, this is the rule, that's it. And so when he went through college... He had had some things that were like, I, it was like, I, what I've been doing and my own curiosity has not really led me down really healthy paths. So he had brokenness, right? And then myself, I came from a very, uh, like kind of a chaotic home. My parents divorced when I was little. I was maybe six months old when they were divorced. So it was kind of the oops baby in the middle of this passionate, like, are we together? Or are we not together? And my mom had some boyfriends and some living boyfriends. So sex was very in front of me all the time. You know what I mean? And... Unfortunately, when I was in elementary school, um, I was sexually abused throughout elementary school. And so then there's like this deep, like this thing of shame and what is my body made for? Is it made for other people to just use? And you're just trying to figure life out, right? So when we came together and we were both pursuing a relationship with Jesus, and we liked each other, Steve did the most incredible, awkward thing on date number three. We had not even kissed yet. We had just had Chinese food, and we're walking around, and he says, hey, I'm going to talk about something. Um, how would you feel about us, like, having boundaries? 
And I was like, okay. And he goes, no, 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 like physical boundaries because, you know, I, I just know like we probably both have some stuff and I really want to protect this thing that I think is kind of special. And I was like, okay. Like I, there was something about it that was just very like freeing. Like I never had someone have that kind of conversation with me. It was like the greatest gift that I've ever had because when people approached me in the past, it was always this like secretive thing. Do we, don't we? Or for me, it was when will we? And so Steve having that conversation with me built this trust that was nothing like I had ever experienced. And so we decided that for as long as our relationship would be before marriage, we would not do the things. And I will tell you, over that year and eight months, there was never two people who walked the earth that wanted to have sex more. <laughs> Man, we just were like, let's go, let's just get married now. But it just didn't, we were like, no, we were really committed to it. And I'm really thankful that we did because of our, the things that we brought into that. Um, but that's not easy. That is not an easy thing to do. And I share this with you because I know that there are different things that you had control of or didn't have control of in the messages that you received about your body and your intimacy and sex, right? And I just want to come to you like just in humility to say we can sit there together and we do not need to be ashamed. We can cry, we can joke a little, but we can be real about this. But what we see is that in the beginning, something was very much united. The idea that we as human beings were made sexually and spiritually. And that before the fall, before we turned away from God, we actually, we separated those things. We separated our sexuality and spirituality. And if you have a story like mine, or I'm sure there's a lot of very unique and difficult stories in this room today, that you know the pain that's caused when we take sexuality away from our spirituality. We objectify each other. We become toys to play with versus human beings with a soul and a heart and a purpose. And so I just kind of want to define this for you today. Sexuality is defined by Deb Hirsch. She is an expert in this area. She wrote a book called Redeeming Sex, and it's one of my favorite books that I've read in grad school this year. But spirituality is a longing to know and be known by God. We all have this, um, and this is experienced on a physical level, an emotional level, a psychological level, and a spiritual level. So that's our spirituality, to be known by God. And at the same time, we all have sexuality. Sex is good. Can we just say that? We were, thank you, bless you. Okay, sexuality is a longing to know and be known by other people, right? On a physical level emotional, psychological, and spiritual level. And the integration of this and the union of this 
is a beautiful picture of sex and marriage. It's beautiful. But we also have to ground ourselves in some current realities. Can we do that? The current realities, they're going to feel like juxtapositions. You're going to be like, those are opposite, and yet they still are very true. That every one of us in this room, we were made in the image of God, and every single one of us in some way, shape, or form has sexual brokenness. That intentionally or unintentionally, we've received messages, we've, we've had things come into our view and our mind that we've processed that have affected us and how we see sexuality and ourselves. The other truth that I want you to kind of hold with me today is that sexual wholeness, the, sexual, the integration of sexuality and spirituality, this isn't moral perfection. So we can have some grace here, right? That we are on a journey together and we will not achieve the perfection until we're face to face with God and all the things that are crazy about the world are just washed away, right? So we will always have this thing that we carry, that we're not morally perfect, but also when we know better, we do better. Do you hear me on that? That when we know better, we do better. So therefore, it requires on every single one of our parts discretion on when we give ourselves to somebody and with whom we give ourselves to. Can we hold that together this morning? That we need to have discretion, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about. Because sexual desire is so good, it's, it's like a fire, right? Fire is powerful and awesome in a fire pit or a fireplace, right? I love coming around a fire pit. Matt Mellinger loves a good fire pit, right, Matt? And so it brings people together. It brings intimacy and warmth. It's pretty awesome. But you take a fire and you just, like, let it go, and it is destructive. That's how powerful it is. And so we have to take this seriously on how we see our sexual intimacy and that Jesus created a fire pit for this deep passion that we get to express in his image. Also, I want to acknowledge that in Genesis 2, it does say that this is for a man and a woman, that there's a diversity that brings in a unity. Jesus himself reaffirmed this in Matthew 19, and you can read that for yourself. And this is hard because it's personal. That at Mercy Road, we truly believe that we can hold a truth and we can stay in the room together when we disagree. That we live in a world that just wants to divide and conquer and just like, it's about being right over just being surrendered. And we are not about that. That every single person, no matter what your sexual attraction is, 
that you are loved by God and that you were made in the image of God just like anybody else. That does not disqualify anyone from his love. But I also want to acknowledge that the church in the past, whatever church background you may have come from, that you may have received some really harmful messages about God's love for you. That was never a question, as we see in the word. But we can also say that it's true that this is, was made for a man and a woman, and that is under the covenant of God, we do celebrate that. So don't leave the room, because family sticks together. Family cries together. Family makes weird jokes together. <laughs> we can do that. But also, there's a lot of us, when we talk about the covenant of marriage, it's not just for people with same-sex attraction. It's also for some of us who are you know, pursuing that outside of that covenant. And that we want you to know this space is for you too, and you can be challenged today, and you could be mad at me today. I can handle it. I'm from New York. But we're not leaving the room from you. Okay? So, with that, we get to see the awesome masterpiece of the framework of the covenant of marriage and how intimacy is expressed in this. And I want you to think of this week and next week as like an art gallery of just like beauty, of passion, of intimacy that you only see like sometimes once in a lifetime, right? And so this week and next week are very integrated. I want you to know that. So you kind of hold both of these together as you're contemplating and, and working through this. But there are three main brush strokes in this masterpiece that we see in this union. And the first thing is the commitment of becoming one. Becoming one. We saw this in Genesis 2. We saw that they, Adam and Eve were fused together at the most intimate levels. They left certain things to join each other so they weren't torn apart. You know what I mean? That's hard in marriage because we got families that have opinions about everything, right? And so there was, there's this, a little bit of a sacrifice to join together. And it's expressed in this Hebrew word, ashad, ashad. And we see this, this is the exact word that God uses to tell us who he is. He is one. We see this in Deuteronomy 6.4. It's pretty powerful. Check this out. He says, Hero Israel. We are Israel, by the way. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That in Father, Spirit, Holy Spirit, that he is one. And then it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That that is the unifying force of being one that we fuse together. Now, if you are like me and you have a history, you have divorce in your story, you know that when something is fused together and then it's torn apart, it's hard. It's painful. I do not want you to hear me saying that, you know, divorce, you know, like you're a bit, that's not it. For some of us, that's just reality of how we walked in the room. 
and Jesus doesn't leave us. But there is, when we know better, we can fight for better in our own lives. So that's really important. This is very different than the hookup culture that a lot of us have received, that, oh, we should just hook up and just kind of use each other. You know what I mean? Like, just do our thing. It's very different than that. It's holy. It's God. So the brushstroke of the commitment of becoming one, the second brushstroke in this masterpiece is the intimacy of knowing one another. The knowing. It's in this Hebrew word, yada. And if you're a Seinfeld fan, you know that, you know, when they were talking, they'd go, and yada, 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 yada. Anyone? Anyone a Seinfeld fan? God bless you. That's New York, baby. Okay. And so this idea of knowing, it's also the idea of re-knowing. It's a lifetime pursuit. I got to tell you, when Steve and I like see Jesus together, I hope what God says to me is, Kathy, you got a PhD in Steve Craig. Because the lifetime of knowing and re-knowing each other is the intimacy. And we get to express that through our sexual intimacy. And I'm, in all honesty, a couple of years ago, we experienced tragedy. I got stage three cancer. My body was chopped up. I was like Frankenstein. The intimate parts of me were no longer there. My hair was gone. There was nothing cute about me. But in those moments, they say that either a marriage can grow stronger or they break apart. And I would say that we were committed to the knowing and re-knowing of each other in all the seasons even when our physiology changes, and that happens for men too, when our emotions change, when trauma hits us, when life hits us, we continue to be one and to know each other and to not give up on that. It's really beautiful. In Psalm 139, it's my favorite Psalm. When I am down and I'm like, who am I? I don't even know. I always go to Psalm 139. So take a look at this with me. He uses, uh, David, the author, uses the word yada of knowing. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You yada me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You know when you're like, you're like, you can finish each other's sentences? It's like, that's the intimacy. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind him before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. That's a lifetime pursuit of knowing. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Intimacy of knowing each other and the third brushstroke that we see in sex and marriage that's just so beautiful is that it ultimately points to God's love. It is a picture of God's union with us that we get to fuel through our intimacy together in all the seasons of life. This word is, is ahava. 
Let me say it again. Ahava. You say it now. With, all right, I want you to do it with a little more. Ahava. One more time, nice, in unison, ready? Ahava. It's awesome. We see this in Song of Solomon, which, by the way, I dirty dog, triple dog dare you to read because it's pretty spicy on the sexual side. So if you're thinking the Bible is just like, meh, uh uh-uh, you're going to be like, oh, dear, like my eyes. (laughs) It's the love story between a man and a woman, and they get married, and they experience this, this ashad and this yada. And then they express, and the woman expresses it. So women, we have this desire. The woman, it says, ahava. Like, that was it. Isn't that awesome? I'm like, go, girl. You know. She says, ahava, to describe this love. Listen to this really quick in Song of Solomon. She says, place me like a seal over your heart like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. There's that fire. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. That love, that ahava, it's as strong as a tsunami. It's just consuming. It's as powerful as death. You cannot avoid it. And this is the good news. Because this picture of marriage, this ahava is what God declares over us. That he and his son came and placed a seal over our hearts with his own body on the cross. He made sacrifices so that we can know him and be known. And nothing could separate us from that. He sealed it. That it's an expression of the ahava, the intimacy in marriage. It's a flame worth fighting for. And if you are like, I just never thought about sex like this, this is it. This isn't the cheap stuff that we settle for. This is the stuff that sometimes we suffer for. But it's the stuff, the intimacy, that values who you are made in the image of God. That he will fight for you through anything. That he's not leaving you. In our marriages, we get to fight for that together. And if you're like, well, I'm not married yet. What does this have to do with me? Guess what? If you have a relationship with Christ, you are married. You are married to the Lord. And that intimacy in this season, whether that's for the rest of your life or it's for right now, that's an intimacy that is so powerful and purposeful. Marriage isn't like the end-all be-all, okay? 
your singleness, your marriage to the Lord, and what you get to express in that intimacy is just as powerful and just as needed in this world. Because we all were made in the image of God. So, I've got some things for you to be thinking about. First of all, if you're in your marriage and you're just like, I don't know, I'm not feeling those things. It's just a little, you know, we're just doing all, we're, we're going through the motions. I want to encourage you to go to The Significant Marriage in a Few Weeks by Dave and Mary Gothy. If you're thinking about marriage, I highly encourage you to do that, to just fuel your purpose of why God brought you together and what your intimacy will carry you through. It's really beautiful. And the last thing, if you're in this room and you're just contemplating some things, like we hit against some like hard things that you're thinking about and feeling, I want you to listen to this song. It's the song that got me through the tail end of my treatment um, when I was going through cancer. And that he will face any mountain with you. And the mountain that might be in your way that feels like a lot, that's the summit where he's showing you something right there. It's not so much always about moving the mountains. It's about climbing the mountain where you are. Intimacy, it's that powerful and that worth it. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We're surrendering. That is a lifetime pursuit. Lord, I thank you that you know and you want us to be known, Lord. And in our marriages, I pray that we hold tight to that. And for those of us who are thinking about marriage or thinking about what a relationship could be, Lord, I just pray that you provide the courage for conversations that value the image bearers that every single one of us are. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.